to the Huntley Baptist Church podcast. We hope that this message can be an encouragement to you today. Please feel free to contact us at huntleybaptist at extra.co.nz or visit us at huntleybaptist.com. Kia ora kato. A big welcome to all of you. Uh, today, I've been asked to speak on a topic called Setting Aside Differences. I was given the topic and I was told it's probably something I'm pretty into and boy, I sure am. I actually like people's differences. As I speak today, there'll be lots of Bible in my talk and rather than having to scramble all over the place and look for it, most of the verses will be up on the screen. So that saves you a bit of work, doesn't it? And at the end, there'll be a longer bit that won't be and you can scramble there if you feel like it. So here we go. Let's think now. Have you ever heard the story of Esau, Jacob, and the bowl of soup? It's a dumb story. What happens is Jacob and Esau were twins, although Esau was actually the oldest. How can he be the oldest twin? Because he was born first, but only just, because as he came out of his mother, Jacob was grabbing onto him. Esau means hairy, and Jacob means grabber. That was his name. And Jacob never missed a chance to try and grab Esau's rights as the firstborn. One day, everything worked out in Jacob's favor. Esau, who was a bit of a dummy, comes back from hunting. He says, man, I'm starving. Give me some of that soup. And Jacob says, ah, I won't give you any soup unless you give me your birthright. Now, that's all the rights of the firstborn son. You know, the family name, the farm, the big share of the inheritance. Esau is dumb. He says, Oh, well, I can't use my inheritance if I'm starving to death, can I? Come on, all right then. So he eats the soup and everything's gone. How dumb is that? And I used to think, how could he be so stupid? But as I live my old fella life now, I see it all around me. I see this happening all around me. People giving up something of huge value for something so dumb. People get the pip with someone and they walk away from a friendship that could have brought them joy and happiness and comfort for years. There's some friends of his, of mine who live so near here. Someone died, and, and they, were, they were best buds. They did everything together. Someone died, and the other guy said something that was said to be a bit insensitive. They've never spoken since 15 years. They could have fixed it. I'm frustrated. I like them both. Marriages. People, people are in a marriage, and something goes wrong. And instead of working at it and fixing it up and doing what they can and getting some help, they walk away to something that could have brought them joy right into their old age. In our church, we will never tell you to stay in an abusive relationship. I need to say that. In church, people get the pip about something at church and they leave a church which could have given them comfort, strength, practical help, good advice, and they walk away from it for something that is so petty in most cases. I'll tell you a bit more about that later. But first of all, since Murray told a story about classic cars, I reckon I'm allowed to tell one about romance, although normally we talk about the opposite things. So today's my special story is called A Thinker Gets Married. You might remember that a few weeks ago I talked about how I felt very inferior as a teenager because people, namely my mother, would say, Jeremy, you think too much. Your trouble is you think too much. You should think less and just listen to God and let him work things out. And as I got older and I began to get over my inferiority complex, I realized that that's how God made me. Different to my mum, but that's okay. All right? And I can actually think and God can help me to do that. Now, as I was growing up, I wanted to know everything. 
And so I asked my mum and dad, I used to think about everything, mum and dad, what's this all about? Falling in love and getting married and stuff. And they go, oh, well, one day you'll meet someone special and you'll fall in love and they'll, you'll meet the one and blah, blah, blah. And this, the old stuff that our culture gives to us, all right? And um, I'm going, oh, well, okay. But as I got older, I realized that what we, we think of, all that stuff, doesn't particularly come from the Bible. It actually comes from another book called Cinderella, all right? So, so what's being sold to me as, as the whole buzz on Christian marriage is actually from Cinderella. Now, I should, I'll just I'll give a little aside here. There's this sort of quest, isn't there, to find the one. And when I was a kid, I go, how am I going to find the one? What if she's in Botswana? How will we meet? <laughs> Straight up, I'm not kidding you. I told you I was a thinker, so I'm worrying about this. I mean, what are my chances of meeting the one that she's going to live in Auckland where I do? Zilch. And I worried about this. I'll tell you, people and cultures who believe in meeting the one have a lower success rate in their marriages. I'll just tell you that. You know, some enchanted evening, you will see a stranger. Oh, rubbish. (laughs) So as a 25-year-old, I decided I was uh, ready to get married. So what I did was I looked at the Bible, which was a very good idea. I looked in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. I said, all right, God, you must give some good advice on getting married here. And this is what I read, and it surprised me. It said, if you get married, it's a good thing to do. If you don't get married, that's a good thing to do. You decide. Oh, I was looking in the Bible for guidance. And the Bible says, I have to decide. All right, then, yes, I will get married. I think I would like to do that. So then, of course, I have another thing I have to think out. Don't I? What's that? Who, do I, who am I going to get married to? You see? So I go, well, who, who am I going to get married to? Janet Dawson's a nice girl, I thought. You know, we used to have a, a lot to do with each other. She lived just down the road. I used to take her to work. We used to go out together. You know, we, used to, we had a lot to do with each other. And Janet had moved to Hastings years before, but still kept up with her Auckland mates, still came to see us sometimes. So I knew her phone number. And so I dialed it. Hello, Janet. It's Jeremy Welsh here. Oh, hello, she said. Uh, no, I don't. <laughs> and uh, I'm more subtle than that, a bit. So I said, uh, how are you going? Sort of thing. Shall I come and visit you? And Janet said, all right. She put the phone down. Her flatmate said, what was that all about? And Janet said, I don't know. <laughs> so I went to see Janet. And uh, we, she introduced me to her Hastings friends. And we, we en- I enjoyed the weekend. And... Uh, we visited, I, I visited there, you know, again, and we wrote letters on paper, you young ones, because, because phone calls were very expensive. We didn't phone each other. And, uh, you know, after visits and phones, we, one day a little girl who we were fostering says, can I read your love letters? She was so disappointed. They weren't a bit mushy. All right, they were pretty, pretty down to earth. You know what we're like. So anyway... Oh, wow. People are disappointed. I'm, I'm provoking something here, aren't I? And I'm doing it absolutely on purpose. Now, one day, Janet and I are sitting down having a cup of tea. And I said, Janet, if I asked you to marry me, what would you say? And she said, I don't know. You'll have to ask me and see. I said, no, I'm not making this up. This is true, isn't it? So I said, all right, will you marry me? And Janet just laughed. And I, I came back. I, but I said, I said, all right, look, have a think about it. You know, I'd really like it if you do marry me, but if you don't want to, that's okay. You know, I'll get over it. It's not, it's not that big a deal, sort of thing. <laughs> and, you, and you're just shaking your head going, I can't believe Jeremy's telling the truth. But I'll tell you why. 
I'll tell you why I said that. Because back in those days, well, if, if you look at Mr. Darcy, he says this. He says, I love you. I love you with all my heart. My whole future happiness depends on you. Will you be mine? It's my only way I can be happy. And that's putting a lot of pressure on a young woman, isn't it? See? And amongst Christians, Christian young men are go up and say, I think God wants me to marry you. Seriously, they did. And what's the girl going to do? Go against God? And that led to a lot of unsatisfactory marriages, which I could see. So I wasn't going to do those things. I, it was quite deliberate and quite on purpose. So Janet took a few weeks. and she, you know, we, we wrote letters and called up, but I don't think we talked about that anything. I don't think we mentioned it again. And after maybe, what, six weeks? Only three weeks. That's right. Oh, yeah, I was astonished by the speed of it. So Janet came up to Auckland to something, and, and while she was in Auckland, I said, have you, th- have you had a think about, you know, what I asked you about? And she, she actually gave me an answer which was so, well, um, that I didn't even get it. But, and, and finally I said, do you mean yes? She said, well, well, yes. And then her bus came. Okay, bye. <laughs> what about that? What about that? What about that? What about that? What Oh, we probably had some hugs. I can't remember. But we <laughs> okay. Now listen. What happened then? We got married and we lived happily ever after. Bah! Just kidding. Of course we didn't, because that happened in Cinderella. We got married and we had a life, and we had happiness and joy and fun and laugh and cuddles and disappointment and grief. Dreams came true, and other dreams could not come true because we were married. And some dreams couldn't come true because we'd married each other. We supported each other while people we loved died. We had some babies. If I had to count the pooey nappies, I couldn't even begin to estimate how many. People woke up in the night and puked in the bed. All right? This is life. Living happily ever after. Bleh. I wouldn't take it if I could. Because real life has ups and downs. And real marriage has ups and downs. And real friendship has ups and downs. And real church has ups and downs. And when people have a bit of a down and they quit the church, they are walking out on something that could make them so rich. That could bless them so much. And you see, if your life has ups and downs, and if your marriage has difficulties, if your kids drive you bonkers, it does not mean something's wrong. It means your life is real. Can you see now why I put that sign up this morning? So why did I tell you that story? Because in this room, there are two kinds of people. One kind of person, which includes, by the way, Gloria, who isn't here, says, thank goodness, Jeremy's talking a bit of sense about marriage. Goodness me, you're choosing a life partner, not a a puppy from the pound. So of course you have to think about it. Of course you have to lay it out and think it all out, you know, and give the girl a bit of time to think too, of course. And others are like Janet's cousins. Oh, that would be awful. I couldn't stand it if a man asked me to marry him and said it's okay if I didn't. Janet's cousins were shocked. They were, they were, um, what's the word, romantics, like Luca. And that's the way we are. You see, some people are thinkers, and they process the world, the world by thinking, and they hear from God by thinking, and other people are, are feelings people, aren't they? People, somebody came up to me and said, how did you feel about the meeting? Janet wouldn't do that, but somebody did. How did you feel about the meeting? I go, oh, I, I don't know. I don't really have feelings about meetings. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm lost. Or, or somebody says, uh, 
you know, somebody asks me a question, and some, you've heard this, and they say, uh, look, I've got this problem, and I say, I'll have, a, I'll have a think about it, don't I? I mean, half the people in this room have heard me say, okay, I'll have a think about it, which is exactly what Janet did when I asked her to marry me. She had to think about it. Sometimes people stand right where I am, and they say, I feel that God is telling us something. And I don't. Last week, Jack got up and he stood here and he talked about Benny Hinn. And Benny Hinn says, one thing we have, which even Jesus' own disciples didn't have when he lived on earth, was that we can feel the presence of God. Did you hear that? And I'm sitting there going, no. You see, it's different. It's different. And I have to decide how to react when I'm sitting there. And this is the way, the three ways I could react. The first way I react is this. I say, oh, Jack feels the presence of God. Murray feels the presence of God. Jenny does. Benny Hinn does. And I don't. I'm just a dum-dum. And I shouldn't even be here. I'm no use. And I sidle out. But I didn't do that. And I'm not going to. Way number two is kind of the opposite. I could go, well, Jack's always saying, you know, he can feel the presence of God. But I can't. I think Jack's just making it up. It's just all in his head. But I'm not going to say that either. Well, here's option three. I sit there, I go, Jack, time after time, you pick up things I miss. There's a whole world out there I don't know about. God's telling us things which I can't hear, and I need you, Mr. Jack Farr, to be there to tell me about it. And I need Murray, and I need Jenny, and I need all you feelings people, right? And that is the attitude I choose to take. In so, many, in so many ways, we're different, aren't we? A couple of weeks ago was Waitangi Day. And Christopher Luxon, the Prime Minister, stood up and read out a scripture. Did you hear it? Now, Christopher Luxon and one or two other people had been standing up for some days saying, let's all get together. Let's put our differences aside. Let's be one people. But they got shouted at and people sang over them so they couldn't hear them. But when Chris Luxon stood up, and read the Bible, people shut up and listened and let him say it. And this is what Chris Luxon said. It comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Paul wrote it. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? Do you see Jack and Jeremy in this? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. And Jack cannot say to Jeremy, I don't need you. And Jeremy can't say to Jack, I don't need you. Because to be honest, Jack, I do. I do need you. I need your insights and your experience. They enrich me. And I need Janet to stand beside me in the rather tough life I lead sometimes. And I need Neil to lift my spirits, give me some laughs and expand my vision. And he needs me to fix his spelling. <laughs> which doesn't sound very spiritual. You see, we're so different, aren't we? 
Some of us are thinkers. Some of us are feelers. There are males and there are females, and males and females think things out differently. And Stanton and I were talking a few weeks back, and I said to him, I see the appeal of gay marriage. If I marry a man, I don't have to figure out how women think. How easy is that? But God says, no, Jeremy, do the mahi, figure out women. Yes, God. Okay? I like it. I like being married to Janet. (laughs) Hey, I'll think about it. You see, we have old people and we have young people. And I have heard a 25-year-old saying, I can't figure out the youth of today. They're different. So now instead of just old people and young people, we have generation Y, Z, and goodness knows what, right? Each generation can't figure out the one 10 years younger. We have Māori people in here. We have Tauiwi in here. We have New Zealand-born people here. We have immigrants in this room. We have people like me who are immigrants but were raised in New Zealand. We have people who've been away and have returned to this country. And for all of those different people, we could have different churches. It would only be natural, wouldn't it? The church for the, you know, the the Parkers, the church for the Māori, the women's church can be here, the young people's church. And you know what? We do have groups. We have ladies' groups. We have men's groups. We have young people's groups. And I'm not dissing it. There are reasons. And there are reasons why the Tongans meet in Tongan church because they can... They can't speak English, but they never miss a chance to reach out and fellowship. You know, they, they love to, to spend time knowing that they're linked with us. But I did say, didn't I, it would be natural for us to split up into different groups. How natural? The Bible talks about the natural man or the flesh or the, you know, like the old person. It's a part of our old nature to want to split up and go into groups, isn't it? Listen to this. From Galatians chapter 5, the acts of the flesh, that means like the old person who isn't following Jesus, just like an animal. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry and sorcery, hatred, discord, jealousy and rage, rivalries, divisions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. Did you hear that list of disgusting sins? And did you pick that division was in the middle of them? You see, in God's eyes, division is a disgusting sin. And the way people split off like that is the flesh working out just the same as when people get drunk and have an orgy. God says we're not to do that. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, it says, I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ, to live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions in the church. Rather, be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. I heard an American man called Ern Baxter talk about this, and he had a big wooden pulpit thing, which was much stronger than this, and he thumped it. And he said, let there be no division, no division, no division. And he said it again and again and again, and I've never forgotten it, even though that was a long time ago. Galatians chapter 3 lays it out. It says this, You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, 
male nor female, for you're all one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Let's unpack that. There's neither Jew nor Greek. Neither, but there are Jews and Greeks, aren't there? But this is what Paul meant. Greeks look to the Jews, they go, boy, what a bunch of hotheads. They, are, um, they sort of get all up in arms about things and they're not cool and calm and thinky like us Greeks. And the Jews look at the Greeks and go, oh, they're just sort of implants. We're kind of the tongue of the fenor of the faith. We've been, we've been following Yahweh for a thousand years. And the Greeks only just walked in the door. It's big. It's big. And Paul says there's neither Jew nor Greek. Well, there is. They each bring a heritage. They each bring a strength. But what he meant is don't divide up on them. There is neither male, or so there's neither slave nor free. Imagine if we're sitting in church here and some of the people in this church own slaves and some of the people in this church are slaves. Can you see why it might be awkward to have a cup of tea afterwards? And yet Paul says, slave or free, you're all brothers and sisters. In fact, he even wrote to a man who owned a slave and said, you, this isn't just a slave, he's your brother. You look after him. There's neither male nor female. Well, of course there is. Paul isn't some kind of gender ninny who doesn't think there's males and females. But what he says is, but what he means is, it's not a barrier. Now, think how it was in those days. You know, the ladies would sit one side, the men the other. And, it, and at cup of tea time, I think we, we probably need to say too, in those days men were generally much more educated. And, and women often weren't. And, you know, the, their spheres of life would be very different, very different. But what Paul's saying is at cup of tea time, blokes, go and talk to the women. You might learn something. And that's the way it is. And you watch this, you watch this place at cup of tea time. Young people talk to old people. Men talk to women. Um, we do, don't we? And I guess slaves talk to free people too. And it says, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. All one. What does that mean, we're all one? Well, one of Jesus' last prayers was for us. He prayed for the people who were right in front of him right then. And then he said, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray, so, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That's us. That they will be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. Now, in our Christian church, we've got this whole big doctrine built around the fact that the God, the Father, and Jesus, the Son, are very much one in the Godhead. There is a real oneness there, a oneness of focus and purpose. They are one, and we're meant to be like that. That's what Jesus said. God, will you make Adam and Jeremy one just like us? Will you make Janet and Stanton one just like us? Will you make Mary and Ernie one just like us? Will you make Ephra and Anna and Iris all one? That's a big ask, isn't it? Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. So what Jesus is, says, there's a world out there that doesn't really know that God sent Jesus. They don't really know it. But something's going to happen to make them know it. What's the something? What is the something? The something is that we will be one. And then the people go, ah, we get it. Something special is happening here. 
there's something about that Christian thing, isn't there? Rob spoke to me too and said the same thing. Rob's head's going round and round like that. Why is it? He said, I, I want to have something like this without the church, he told me. But then he went away and had another thing, didn't he? And he figured out he, he can't. Nobody else quite does that. If you were expecting us to study Ephesians chapter 2 today, then this is your great moment. I'm going to read from verse 11, and it's not on the screen. In Ephesians chapter 2, Paul goes beyond saying that, we're, that, that there's no Jews and no Greeks. He goes beyond that. And what he actually says is, if you are a Jew or if you're a Greek, or if, if you're a Jew or a Gentile means somebody who isn't a Jew, you each have something to bring. Jews have something special. Gentiles have something special. And he talks about it. So in Ephesians chapter 2, starting from verse 11, Therefore remember that formerly you who are Gentiles in the flesh and called uncircumcised by the so-called circumcision, that done in the body by human hands, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, without hope and without God in the world. That was us. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near through the blood of Jesus. What a great story we Gentiles have to tell. What a great story you have to tell if you were far from God and now you've come into the body. What a great story. Verse 14, for he himself is our peace, who has made the two one, has torn down the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing in his flesh the law of commandments and decrees. If there was a wall between Jews and Greeks, he broke it down. If there's a wall between Māori and Pākehā, he'll break it down. If women can't get on with men, he'll break the wall down. If your marriage is banging your head on a brick wall, God can break it down. If your friendship seems wrecked, God can bring you together. Only God. He did this to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace and reconciling both of them to God in one body through the cross by which he extinguished their hostility. The bad feelings are gone. He came and preached peace to you who are far away and peace to those who are near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. In him, the whole building is fitted together and grows into a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together into a dwelling place for God in his spirit. My youngest brother was called Andrew, and I have seen him as a grown man weeping. As he said, where is the place for me, Jeremy? If it's true that I'm not tangata whenua here, if it's true that I'm some kind of second-class person, where is my home? I was born in New Zealand. There's nowhere else to go. And then he read this, and he read in the Maori Bible that in Christ we are all tangata whenua. And then he cried again because he realized that all of this divisive talk about Pākehās does not apply when we're in Christ Jesus. Let's go back to Esau and Jacob. Your birthright 
is to have a family of brothers and sisters in Christ, a safe place where you can come, where you can be yourself, to have the help that the church can offer when you need it, the support. It's so incredibly valuable. It will be with you for your whole life. So don't let anything cheat you out of your birthright. If you find it difficult being in church, do what it takes to fix it and keep your birthright. Get help. Talk to someone. Talk to a leader. Look at the church constitution. But you don't need to because it's straight from Matthew 18. In Matthew 18 it says this, If another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. If the other person listens and confesses it, you have won that person back. But if you're unsuccessful, take one or two others with you and go back again so that everything you say may be confirmed by two or three witnesses. If the person still refuses to listen, then take your case to the church. And when people have left, they usually haven't done that. Don't give up your precious birthright just because somebody pissed you off. Because that's the guts of it, isn't it? What precious things we give away for such a stupid little thing. I was talking to a man a few weeks ago, three weeks ago, and he left the church and he said to me, you know, I know that if I came back to the church, I'd be warmly welcomed. And I was really pleased to hear it. I was pleased he knew it. And I know it's true. I want to say one more thing about this. Some of us by nature are rather blunt. Please be careful about the things you say. My whole talk today has been about taking offense, hasn't it? But sometimes people take offense because we give it. We had one family who left. They were very keen on the church. They came all the time and they left because somebody one day said something which wasn't tactful about the way they were raising their children. Uh, that's delicate stuff, isn't it? And if you want to give advice about that, then you better have a very strong relationship and you better be very diplomatic and you better think and pray about it and one of the things you could ask God is, is it really that important? Am I going to jeopardize a family because of that? And the answer is no. I want to finish off, as always, uh, with, a, with a scripture. And this, this scripture is from 1 Peter. And it says this. Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other. For love covers a multitude of sins. I want to tell you that if love is so great that it can cover a whole lot of sins, then for goodness sake, love must be able to cover some differences. God bless you all. Thanks for listening to the Huntley Baptist Church podcast. We hope that it has been an encouragement to you. Please feel free to contact us at huntleybaptist@extra.co.nz or visit us at huntleybaptist.com.